ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Study Room Podcast, where we bring you a uh, topic of AQA Psychology Revision every week. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about... Okay, thank you, Barbara Streisand, for that. Uh, yes, indeed, we're going to be talking about uh, memory as the topic uh, of psychology. So we're going to jump right in with short and long-term memory. Uh, Jacobs, 1887, found that um, short-term memory has a digit span of 9 to 3 uh, for digits and 7 to 3 for letters. Uh, and this was studied by a uh, column of numbers that people had to um, uh, recall. And if they got it right, they moved on to the next set. Um, and a evaluation of this is that short-term memory might not be fixed. Jacobs also found that recall increased with age. Uh, Eight-year-olds can recall 6.6 digits, whereas 19-year-olds can uh, recall 8.6. So there are individual differences playing a role in short-term memory. Um, Next up, there's also Miller, uh, who talked about the capacity of short-term memory. Um, And he found that there is a, um, what he called the magic number seven, which is the capacity of seven plus or minus two um, digits or uh, amounts of information in the memory. Uh, And this can be further divided into seven different chunks uh, to make it easier to remember. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, and long-term memory, indefinite capacity. You don't need to worry about that. It's just, you know, it lasts forever. Two minutes to 100 years, the number you need to know. Duration, next up. Peterson and Peterson uh, use constant sil- sil- syllables to prevent verbal rehearsal, and they found that short-term memory lasted 18 seconds. Um, now, namely, they did this in their uh, study, which resulted in uh, participants on average were 90% correct over 3 seconds, 20% correct over 9 seconds, and only 2% correct over 18 seconds. Uh, So short-term memory lasts uh, 18 seconds. Now for long-term memory, the duration, um, as we mentioned, is anywhere from uh, 2 minutes to 100 years. Um, And this uh, was identified first by Barrick et al., um, 1975. So they used cons- uh, sorry, they had participants uh, who graduated from their high school class, and um, they asked them after numerous years after graduating to identify uh, faces to their yearbooks uh, of people in their yearbooks and names uh, to these faces. Um, so what they found is that after 48 years, participants were 70% accurate in face recognitions of classmates, and 30% accurate for names. Um, and the participants that they used in the study were in the United States, and they ranged from 17 years old to 74 years old. Uh, so, you know, yeah, it's quite long. Okay, next up, coding. Uh, Badly found um, that there's difficulty remembering acoustically similar words in short-term memory, but not in long-term memory. And it was easier to remember uh, semantically similar words, like, uh, I don't know, the um, synonyms for, uh, I don't know, the word large, for example, large, big, huge, um, all have similar semantic meanings, uh, were easier to remember short-term memory than long-term memory. Uh, And the coding is acoustic for short-term memory and semantic for long-term memory. So, 
Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about the multi-store model of memory, MSM, identified by Atkinson and Schifrin, 1968. Um, and so what they found is that there was a sensory register, which is just sensory information coming in. Uh, like, you know, you walk in the park, you see stuff, uh, this information just comes in constantly. You can't control it. Um, but if you pay attention to it, so for example, someone is speaking, you pay attention to that, or you decide to remember, I don't know, maybe um, a nice view or something, that goes then uh, to the short-term memory store. Uh, now, information, uh, as we mentioned, again, has a short-term um, uh, duration and a short amount of capacity and is acoustically encoded. Um, but maintenance rehearsal, which is uh, saying this information again and again, um, can actually improve uh, the duration for it staying in short-term memory. Um, and elaborative rehearsal is when that goes from short-term memory to long-term memory, and retrieval being then the process of it uh, being retrieved uh, into our conscious thought. Evaluations of the multi-store model are that there's research support for difference between long-term memory and short-term memory, as uh, we talked about with Badly already. Uh, and a criticism is that it, it may be reductionist, um, as there may be more components to the memory store models, uh, such as long-term memory and short-term memory. So, believe it or not, people thought about this and were like, okay, let's expand it. Um, so the working memory model expands the concept of short-term memory into multiple uh, components of it. Um, namely, the central executive being one of the components uh, of the working memory model. And the central executive um, takes in information and then delegates it um, to the slave systems. Um, and yeah, so this allocates quote unquote resources of each system in the working memory model um, in the different tasks. Um, so this information is received either from senses or long term memory. Uh, again, this central executive has limited capacity and no capacity to store data. Um, and then one of these slave systems is the visual spatial sketch pad. Um, so this codes visual information in terms of sp separate object, as well as the arrangement of these objects in the visual field. Uh, so the relation between each other. And this is mainly used to plan spatial tasks, like... Um, you know, if you ask someone, you know, like, hey, how many windows do you have in your house? Because uh, that's, you know, a great way to start a conversation. Um, you know, that will require um, uh, visual um, planning tasks um, in that sense. Uh, so visual and or spatial information is temporarily stored here uh, in a place called the visual cache. Uh, and visual information is what things look like. Uh, spatial information is the relationship between each other. And this is done uh, through the inner scribe. The inner scribe is when you take uh, information, for example, reading is the main one, and it transfers that information into um, kind of the relation of, of uh, kind of words to each other. Next up, we have another slave system, the phonological loop. This codes uh, specific sounds uh, in the working memory model um, and typically involving maintenance rehearsal. Um, this is why it's called loop because, you know, eh, you know rehearsal uh, and has quite a limited capacity. Uh, the phonological store is a component of this and stores words that you hear 
um, like um, kind of an inner ear uh, in, in its sense, uh, kind of it, it repeats it. Uh, and words uh, are kind of read or seen are uh, silently repeated through the articulatory process. This is what is responsible for uh, maintenance rehearsal. If they're silently repeated, you know the little voice in your head. Yeah, that little voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Um, yeah, so that's the maintenance rehearsal. Unless I'm going crazy and nobody else's voice is in their head, in which case uh, you should really turn off this podcast now. Okay, next off, um, episodic buffer. Uh, this is a general store that holds all of this uh, above information, keeps a sense of time spacing and stores events that happens. This sends information uh, then to the long-term memory. So this is kind of like what organizes it all together um, and, and, and kind of puts it away. Um, evaluation and discussion around um, the working memory model is that Hitch and Badley found the participants were, um, when doing dual tasks, like, uh, you know, two central executive uh, and, uh, or, or two articulatory loop uh, tasks, um, it, it demonstrates the, the actual use of the central executive being used uh, in the mind. Um, and furthermore, case studies may be limited uh, because trauma itself may cause problems and individuals not typical and are not generalizable. Um, this is with the uh, uh, study of brain damaged patients in this because they often have separated uh, kind of structures of the central executive and things like that. Uh, okay, types of long-term memory. There's episodic uh, memories, which are personal memories from events forming a sequence. This includes details of context and emotion. Semantic memories uh, are knowledge shared by everyone, abstract and concrete. Uh, so this is, you know, uh, the Eiffel Tower is in Paris. Um, and then there's also procedural uh, memories, which is knowing how to do something, tying your shoelaces, things like that. Um, now, episodic memories are consciously recalled. So are semantic memories. But procedural memories happen unconsciously, uh, which is the main point for that. Um, yes. Okay, so next up, we're going to be talking about um, explanations for forgetting. Um, actually, never mind. We're going to be talking about patient HM. Um, HM was a patient uh, who had damage uh, to his hippocampus. And, the, and he formed new procedural memories, but not semantic and episodic ones. Um, you know, saying that there is damage to specific areas that don't affect um, other types of memory. So again, this supports the fact that there are different types. Uh, this is the same for patient Clive Wearing, who um, after having a, a viral infection, he lost the ability to store episodic memories, um, and he was only left with a short-term memory of, again, about 18 seconds. He could remember anything up to before the viral infection, but not uh, after um, in, in terms of episodic uh, memory. Okay, next up, explanations for forgetting. Interference. Um, there's retroactive interference, which is when new information uh, interferes with the old. Um, and is when you cannot remember the old inf uh, information. Muller and Piltzecker first identified this uh, and said that recall was less good if there was an intervening task, like describing painting. 
um, which was uh, the study that they did. Proactive interference is when old information interferes with the new, meaning it's not able to identify the new information. Um, for example, you, I don't know, you, you learn Spanish and then you learn French at school, but you can't uh, remember the Spanish word when you go home and use the French one instead. Um, okay, next up, um, for proactive interference, Underwood um, found that while well, he analyzed many studies, and uh, the more lists learnt, the lower percentage of recall. Uh, McGough and McDonald's uh, found that learnt lists of words plus lists uh, of synonyms led to a 12% recall, whereas lists of words plus lists of digits led to a 37% uh, of recall. Um, so similarity does matter between uh, tasks. Uh, Badly and Hitch found the rugby players who played fewer games had better recall of teams they played against uh, because there was less interference. Okay, uh, talking about explanations of forgetting, we'll be mentioning retrieval failure. Um, so there's the encoding specificity principle, ESP, which is material present at encoding is present at retrieval. Tolving and Thompson uh, first identified this. Um, Tolving and Pearlston found that the category plus the word learnt, uh, free recall was about 40%, queued recall was about 60%. Uh, some cues are not meaningfully linked at encoding, but also act as cues. Um, Abernethy found that context-depending forgetting is a thing. Uh, recall is best when there's the same instructor in the room. They had students taking uh, examinations, and they had the one group with the same teacher present when the information was learned and when they were tested, one group that they were in the same room as uh, encoded and they were tested, one group when there was neither the teacher nor the same room present um, when tested, and they found that recall was best when the instructor uh, was in the same room. Uh, Context-dependent forgetting uh, means that Badley and Godin uh, I first identified this. Recall is best when initial context, uh, land or water, matched recall environment. Uh, they had scuba divers list a um, recall a list of words, and then this was used, um, and then they had to recall this, and they found it easier to recall when they were in the same environment. Um, state depending forgetting was identified by uh, Goodwin et al. And recall is best when the initial state, drunk or sober, matched the state at recall. Um, so they had people uh, recall a list of, uh, well, recall different lists, and it was easier for them to recall it when they had the same uh, state as they were initially, when they were either drunk or sober. Um, okay, next up, eyewitness testimony. Uh, quite a large bit of topic um, of memory, and quite an important one, if I might say so myself. Okay. Uh, misleading information. Leading questions suggest uh, the desired answer. This was mainly investigated by Leftus and Palmer. Critical questions containing the word hit, smashed, collided, bumped, or contacted. Speed estimates were highest when the verb smashed was used. Uh, so this suggests that, again, uh, the answers are dependent on the leading questions that may be asked. They also um, found that the verb altered 
the, uh, so, the, so the verb use actually altered the actual memory of the event. Participants were more likely to report broken glass at the scene of a played accident when no uh, glass was present whatsoever. Um, Post-event discussion may contaminate eyewitness memory of an event. Uh, so if there's a shared answer or narrative, people might recall this together. Conformity effect occurs when participants' recollection is influenced by this discussion. And repeat everything uh, is especially problematic with child witnesses, uh, as uh, identified by Leroy et al. Um, okay, next up we're going to be talking about the influence of anxiety on the accuracy of eyewitness testimony. Stress, philosoph uh, <laughs> yes, physiological arousal reduces performance on complicated cognitive tasks. Johnson and Scott found that weapon focus effect reduces accuracy of face identification. Uh, this is when people are, are in a high-stress environment and the, a weapon is drawn upon them. They actually focus on the weapon instead of uh, the, the face of the person. Loftus et al. Uh, found that the, when monitoring eye movements during uh, weapon exposure, focus was on the weapon. They had a person run through uh, a room with a bloody knife in their hand uh, and then had a person run in the room with uh, another just black object in their hand and then identified uh, participants to identify the person running through the room and found that those who had seen the bloody knife focused on the bloody knife instead of the face um, as opposed to the other group. There is an evolutionary argument that it's adaptive to remember stress-inducing events uh, and these stress-inducing events was actually mainly uh, researched by Christensen and Hubinet who after a real-life bank robbery in Sweden identified uh, and in, uh, kind of investigated and interrogated the victims of this and found that high-anxiety victims, so the bank tellers, remember information more accurately. This can possibly be because you're more uh, stimulated during that time and, and it's more of kind of a, a um, petrifying or really sinking in of that uh, information. Diefenbacher et al., uh, found that the Yerkes-Dodson effect explains high accuracy at moderate levels of anxiety uh, and low accuracy when anxiety is high. Um, okay. Um, yeah, uh, Pickle, uh, <laughs> yes, that is a name, uh, may not, uh, said that, as an evaluation of this, said that it may not be anxiety that causes the weapon focus effect, it might just be surprise. Uh, pickle was spelled with an E uh, before the L, not the L-E. Uh, that reminds me, I'm starving and I had a long day. Uh, Real-life studies show even less accuracy than lab studies. Diefenbacher et al. found that lab findings underestimate effects of anxiety. Um, okay, and this is moving on to our last uh, subsection of memory, which is the cognitive interview. This is based on psychological research. There are four elements of the cognitive interview. Um, there's mental reinstatement of original context, which is when physical and psychological uh, in information is recalled, uh, and the context around events, because these can act as cues uh, to remember um, more information around there. Um, this kind of cue uh, effect is also brought about by report everything, which is the, the second uh, component, which is any information must be reported, no, no matter how insignificant, because these may um, act as cues to improve recall. 
Um, and then thirdly, there's change order, um, which is when participants uh, or sorry, interviewees are asked to change the order of events, uh, for example, from last to first. Um, and this uh, eliminates the effect of prior knowledge and of schemas that might fill in the gaps of information. This is also limited through the fourth uh, component, which is change perspective, um, disrupting schemas, um, where uh, sorry, interviewees are asked to recall the information from a different perspective, uh, for example, the victim or from the opposite side of the road. Um, so uh, evaluations of this are the effectiveness. A review of 53 studies found that 34% more information from um, yeah, from Konkin et al. Uh, most due to report everything and mental reinstatement components. Uh, Milne and Boll found this, and they found that these are what are most used by police officers and police stations over the other, uh, the, the last two change order and change perspective, because they found these to be uh, more time consuming and less to the point. Um, another evaluation is that quality may suffer. 81% uh, increase in correct recall, but 61% increase in false positives, as identified by Konkin et al. Um, so yes, it, it, it increases the amount of information recalled, but the amount of false positives uh, recalled, it also increases. Um, and another evaluation of this is that the cognitive interview uh, is used in practice. Uh, because a lot of police stations are now being trained in this uh, method to get a more uh, um, honest response from eyewitnesses and research into eyewitness testimony has also led to the presence of psycho uh, psychology uh, uh, in the tribunal and in the field to get better convictions uh, in the criminal justice system. Um, Again, uh, cognitive interview, a limitation of this in its real-world application is that police officers find it quite difficult because you need a lot of training and it is it might be quite costly for a bureau to uh, identify and uh, sorry, to, app, uh, to apply this to their training. Um, and that, ladies and gentlemen, covers us for memory, aka psychology. Sorry, I've been a bit less kind of, you know, spunky today, uh, or active, uh, as they'd say it, uh, I know the first word I said is not the same word in the UK, so let's glance over that, um, but yes, you guys can switch off now, and, you know, good luck revising, good luck on the test, uh, today, if you're listening to this, you're probably screwed for your test, uh, so resorted this to a last resort, anyway, good evening, good afternoon, and in case I don't see you, good night.